Hope everyone's doing well. Welcome to Magia Mindset. Today's guest is Rachel Doyle. As a player, she's represented the Australian national team, professionally played in the Australia W League, collegiately played for Washington State University. As a coach, she's coached alongside Michelle Nagamina at Hawaii University, and currently she's at Oregon University with Graham Abel. Roll the intro. Hey, Rachel. Hey, Sean. How you doing? How you doing? Everything good? Good. Can't complain. How are you? Good, good. How's uh, life in Oregon? I cannot complain at all. It's actually been rainy the last couple of days and the sun's coming out now, so creeping at last for the weekend. We'll see. Fantastic. Um, thank you again um, for joining us. Um, I appreciate you. I know your schedule's with Oregon University is um, probably very busy, um, probably more busy than when you guys are in season because you guys are trying to organize so much recruits, yeah. staying in touch with your own players via Zoom. Um, it's funny, I don't think I've ever done this much laptop interaction in my life. Uh, Not at all. There's a point where you're just like, oh, my neck hurts. I've been looking at the screen all day. You're just like, yeah, I'm like, Zoom, I didn't even know what Zoom was before this, and now I feel like I'm an expert, so. It's crazy. They actually put a value up on Zoom. It, it, it has a bigger value than all the American airlines put together. Wow. And this happened basically in the past three months. Yep. So. Yep. I wish I had invested in Zoom before this. <laughs> I think we all, we all, if we knew what was coming, if we can see the future, everybody would have probably put, try to get a share out of it. Oh. Um, but we won't get too much time off topic. Uh, like I said, I wanted to bring you as well as other selective coaches within the college game, professional, professional players, getting perspectives um, to kind of, um, I think this is a time where um, individuals in the soccer world, but in life in general, are hungry for uh, podcasts, inspiration, any source of um, communication to listen to because a lot of it, they're not being able to go in about in their life. They're not as busy. So when they're listening um, with individuals that are in elite positions uh, and getting guidance from that, I think um, at least provides uh, a sense of direction, uh, a sense of light. Um, so right off the bat, um, Let's uh, dive into um, your story, um, your journey, if we can quickly touch base. And I don't want you to hold back in any intriguing story that you've had as a player uh, uh, that's you're like, you know, this was something that I never forget. Or even as a coach, I would love uh, to kind of uh, jump into that as well, because I think the, the story, some of the more intriguing ones for um, people to listen to is the behind the scenes that they don't know what goes in about it. So any stories in your journey, uh, we would love that as well. Well, it all started back home in Australia. Um, grew up in Sydney and played for, you know, just the local club, North Epping Rangers, and moved up to like the representative level um, in the state, you know, representing the state. And, and finally was able to get into New South Wales Institute of Sport. And that was under a 
Coach Alan Stadgic, and um, he, you know, he was the coach for the Australian women's team recently, and he was my U20s coach, and and um, he pushes you to be the best every day. And I think I definitely got that from him. And, you know, he, he's on you about everything. You go to training, you're like, oh, you know, how's Stadge going to be today? And, and he, he's the same every week. He wants the best no matter what. So, you know, I always took that from him. So, you know, I played U20s and we did our um, Asian um, football confederation sort of um, play out and we didn't make it to the World Cup, which was disappointing. And then, you know, I finished high school then at that point and aged out and I was like, well, what am I going to do now? So the W League came around in Australia. Um, so I played the inaugural two seasons with uh, Central Coast and that was a blast. We, we, you know, it was tough the first season. The next season we had a couple of um, American ring-ins um, and they actually took out our players to the next level. I think we finished second that season and then just missed out on going to the final. Um, but then after that, I was just sort of like 20 years old. What am I going to do? I'd been to America when I was younger, you know, to do a little tour of UCLA. I think it was Irvine, St. Mary's and um, out in Hawaii. And I was like, well, you know, I should really get on that. And finally sort of got the chance, talked to some people, connected with people over in the States and then, you know, made my way over. And, you know, it's funny how it all it all pans out together. It was actually uh, Graham um, who connected me, Graham Abel, who, who was like the connection for me to get to Washington State, who started that. And then, you know, um, fast forward a couple of years, I'm working for him now. So, um, but Washington State was an absolute blast. I mean, the first year was hard. Um, but after that, you know, we, we pulled out playing for Matt Potter and then Kadani um, had two great coaches and, you know, we probably underachieved in the NCA. but what we did my senior year, you know, coming second in the Pac-12 only to UCLA who won the whole thing. Um, it was just, it was a great time. I would never take that, that back for sure. So then I finished up school and I'm like, well, what do I do now? I went traveling for a bit because I was like, Body sore, you know, my mind's mentally not there right now. I went traveling with my sister in South America and then, you know, I was like, all right, I just, I want to be back in football, but maybe not playing. So I took the leap. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I want to coach. You know, I've always been the one at the back telling everyone what to do. I'm like, I can do that from the sideline, right? So um, <laughs> did that. Um, fortunate enough to land out at Eastern Kentucky with Nick Foray and um, we had a great time there for two years and then I moved on to Hawaii for two years and um, then Graham called me and was like, do you want to come to Oregon? And I was like, yes, yeah, I'll come with you for sure. So yeah, I landed here and, and haven't looked back in, in five months. So really excited for this. No, and I think um, you hit it. You've done so much in the, in the, in the game as a, as a woman. Um, I know how difficult it can be and competitive it is on the men's side to um, make it as a player and then even in the coaching world. But I can't even imagine how difficult it is on the women's side to make it as a player, have opportunity to make a living. Like I'm not talking about, say you got a contract, but what's your salary coming in monthly to be able to live off of it full time, okay? And then uh, as a coach, being able to get respected in the, in the game. Can you kind of dissect into how you've 
on the mental aspect. How have you mentally, emotionally um, been able to stay focused if you've had setbacks as a player and then any setbacks as a coach? And what is it that inside of you has been able to push through that and still be in the game? I think it's very significant when, when uh, you are a coach and you're still continuing to go in the game you do have to have thick skin. You do have to be mentally tough. You do have to take criticism. Um, so if you can dissect into that, how have you been able to um, manage that and kind of um, for the viewers, kind of what is your opinion of uh, mental strength you're supposed to kind of carry with that to stay in the game? Yeah, I think, you know, as a young player, I was always pretty confident and, you know, so it wasn't ever hard for me mentally to really stay in the game and stay focused and do what I love. Um, you know, that, that was the easier part for me. I think, you know, once I realized my body's breaking down and I looked at what do I want to do for the next couple of years and I was like, I'm sort of a little, you know, football sort of been a whole of my life right now and I'm like, I want to do something else where I can maybe have a little bit of money to you know, do something else. So I, you know, fully respect all the players that go into professional leagues and go in day in, day out, train, then go to work full time because it's not easy and no one realizes that a lot of lot of women right now that are still doing that and then playing professionally. And I think, you know, kudos to them because um it's hard mentally, physically on your body to do that year in, year out. Um so to them I say kudos because I knew I was just I wasn't there to do that. Um, but you know, in the coaching world, it, it is a little bit of a mental game for women. And, um, a lot of young coaches do get out of the game early, maybe because they're starting a family or, or moving on or they, they don't see it in their career path of like, you know, can I manage a family and, and be in there or, or whatever it may be. And I think for me, I've just, you know, there has been times where I'm down on my confidence. I'm like, can I, can I do this? Like these guys are so much better. Can I do this and this? And, you know, I always come back, like, personally, I relate to the girls, you know, I understand I want to help them get better. And at the end of the day, if I'm doing that, then I think, you know, I can keep pushing myself. And, you know, I think I've grown in the last years where I can take a lot more criticism. I can, you know, reflect a little bit better on what I've done well and what I can do better. And I think, you know, that is part and parcel of it. And I think also I've just been surrounded by great people, you know. I've had great female coaches, you know, growing up, Lisa Warren, Lisa Warren, she'll laugh at that for sure. But, um, you know, I've had, I've had a lot of female coaches and, and I really respect what they do. And then working with Michelle Nomini out at, you know, Hawaii, you know, her confidence is, is through the roof because she's just like, we're doing what, what we're here to do. And that's help, you know, student athletes on and off the field. So, um, I sort of take a bit of that, but surrounding myself with people who have supported me when I know that, hey, um, I'm still learning and growing. That's what really has been the best part of it for me. No, and I think you hit that uh, very validly with Michelle at Hawaii, with Graham at Oregon. I mean, if people don't know, I mean, these are very well-respected coaches on the women's game. And they've, they're, I mean, Graham is just coming off, uh, is it back-to-back -back, uh, World Cups? with mm -hmm. So... Uh, not too shabby, especially in the U.S. game. And uh, it's important the environment you do surround yourself with. And I think it's not only networking, but the education you're getting. I mean, you're an assistant, 
with the head coaches that you're constantly learning with, challenging. And it's funny, the higher the individual is, it, the more humble and respect they show others as well. That's what we don't tend to see. I, what I realized too, when you deal with some individuals that are maybe at lower levels, the arrogance is higher. When it gets to the higher level, the humility is higher and the respect they show amongst their peers. And if the person they see don't, doesn't get it, they try to provide that guidance. So I think it's very important how you do surround yourself with that. My thing I want to kind of dissect into is um, you've, you've been at Hawaii, you've been at several programs. Now you're at Oregon. Um, I don't know if you've um, gone and um, held the training because of the whole coronavirus, but what is it from you as a coach? And you can even touch base as a player when you played at Washington as well. What is it that you realize there's levels to levels to levels? Is it, uh, and is it the mental part? Is it the talent part? Is it a balance of everything? And um, can you kind of talk about what is it that stands out to you when you go from levels to levels to levels within those programs? Yeah, I think, you know, I've been lucky to work at different level programs, but, you know, the fortunate thing is the players have always been committed to, to each program. And I think that that's, that's a huge thing that you can maybe miss at different levels. Um, so the commitment from the players has been huge. But again, as you step to the next level, you know, you hope that it does, you know, the, the talent rises with that. Um, you get to the Pac-12, which is one of the premier conferences in the nation. And I think, you know, you're dealing with players that you know want to make it to the next level, want to be a professional, want to play for their country. So we have to think about not just, you know, as coaches, we have to think about how we can get them to their goals as well, um, not just our team goals. How can we make them better so that they can get to that level with either their country that they want to play for um, or into the pro leagues, you know. So I think that that's, that's a new challenge that I'm sort of facing here at Oregon is how do we push players day in, day out to make sure that, that they're getting better in every single aspect that they need to be. Um, and sort of a lot of that comes down to, you know, reviewing video, looking at the physical data that we get. Um, so it really just encompasses a lot more, more thinking in there. But, you know, I think... You know, the commitment of players, and I'll go back to this, the commitment of players is the biggest thing. And, and I've been lucky to be at three programs where everyone is committed um, and they're not just at the school to be at the school, you know. So that that really is a, a dynamic change that, you know, I hope all coaches have. But Do they challenge the coaching staff? Does the higher the level, does the players challenge you? And does it make you like, oh, wow, they are intelligent. If I don't know my stuff, I'm going to be put into my place. Yeah, you've got to know exactly what you want out of them every session. You've got to be really detailed when you go in because if, you, if they turn around and have three questions that you haven't thought about um, and you don't have an answer for them, then you're like, well, well, what's next? So you've got to be on top of your game every, every day because they will have questions. They do want to learn and, and get better. Um, and so you have to be yourself so I think it gives you almost a new challenge of rising up and being like um, what's going to happen in this session today what are the different scenarios they might ask about um, and how we're going to talk about that instead of just 
going in there and being like, yeah, we got this, it's all good, da-da-da. It's like, no, we got to know what we want out of every session. we got to know what may come up that, you know, we can talk to them about and they'll have questions about. So um, with, you, with you coaching at those levels and identifying those talents and identifying, the, I know we've talked about commitment. You know, you got to have a lot of commitment in that. Um, I think maybe it's the generation today. Maybe it's the balance of social media or, or aspects of that. But some of them, some of the individuals, not all, I don't think really understand what it takes to be at that level. And on the women's game, the U.S. is one of the highest platforms um, if it's Oregon at a division one. I mean, it's funny, Oregon at a division one probably has better facilities and better uh, talent than some of the professional teams in Europe uh, on the women's side and the U.S. national team. So for an individual, young, young ladies that are trying to aspire to get to that level, I mean, you can even dissect it from your playing experience in uh, Australia. If we get, I know talent, I, I'm not a firm believer of just talent. I don't think that's enough. I think you've got to have a determination of fire. I want to kind of dissect the mentality, the mentality part. Uh, what is it, the mentality to truly make it to your level where you're currently at? But also, let's just say the national team. I mean, you have one of, one of the head coaches. Is the, I mean, your head coach is the former assistant coach of the U.S. national team. And then later to a national team level, what is the mental strengths if you say – top five list that you guys are looking for, they are looking for, what would you say it is in your opinion? I mean, I think you sort of hit it in terms of determination. Um, and that would be one of them. You have to have a certain willingness to do what is needed to get to where you want to be. And I think, you know, that that's a huge thing that some younger players look at the lights and be like, yeah, I just want to be there, but don't understand what that entails. And some of them, you know, I think one thing for me is, do you do just what is asked of you or do you do more than what is asked of you? You know, are you always trying to get more information? Are you always trying to do maybe a little bit extra? Hey, my touch was bad today, so I'm going to go do it, you know, just go to the wall by myself and do some, some wall touches. So I think, you know, that determination almost is – is one aspect that that kids maybe don't don't see and don't use and don't understand that players at the elite level give up a lot a lot of time a lot of energy to do what they do you know um and and i have said commitment and i mean commitment on the field and off the field you know um an elite player can't just roll out of bed every day eat you know um five sandwiches of bacon and then be like, yeah, I'm good to go. You know, it takes preparation and your meals and your nutrition. It takes, you know, the right recovery after you play. It takes sleeping right. So it's really a whole lifestyle of how you want to be to get to that next level, you know. Talent is great, but if you can couple that with the commitment energy towards making it towards your goals, then that's what's going to take you to the next level. But if you just rely on, on one part of that only, then it's going to be very hard. And I'll tell you what, there's been many players who have, you know, maybe not made certain teams that they wanted to turn around and, and just committed to being the best player they could be. And in the end, they get even further than that, you know, whether they miss out on a U20 World Cup or a U20 team. 
and then you see them further down the line in you know in a, in a national team and you're like how did they do that they didn't stop at that you know one barrier or that one time that they got put down they said no I'm just gonna you know do what I can do to get better every day and then see where that takes me and and sometimes you know that's all you need no no no. I I, I totally agree with that I I totally agree I think um it's funny. I don't know if you were able to catch any of the, the last dance documentaries with yep. Michael Jordan. I, I think there was a certain episode where he even got emotional about talking about mindset. Um, and that's what I'm, I was trying to get at with levels. I think the ultimate version, there's an obsession to it. I think there's an obsession where as an individual, you kind of feel like a loner. You feel like you can't relate because you're just so competitive. You want to be so great that um, if you felt like you were competitor at the youth level, then you get, as you move up, you start getting surrounded by the same ones. But then there's always that one person that's always above that within the levels. I want to kind of get into if it's Oregon, if it's Hawaii, um, have you guys had, uh, have you ever as a coach um, been uh, or a player been a part of a session because I knew I know games are naturally competitive but a part of a session that you're like you walked out of it you're like wow that was pretty heated and it was intense at the time you felt like there was some scruffs gonna break through but you walked out of you're like I love that this is why I play that game and if you have a story uh, can you kind of uh, share what really um, stood out from that competitive session, what brought it out of you guys? I mean, what was it that, because I know like we can talk about it, but some of, some of the audience don't get what, what it goes. I mean, your makeup as a coach and a player, there's a reason you played where you played and there's a reason you're coaching where you coach because there's a makeup, you are competitive. There's no way you are where you are where if you're not, uh, you know, to a certain extent competitive. Um, so I want to kind of dissect that practice competition and what is that competitive mindset if you can kind of uh get into gosh I mean firstly I'll start as a player and you know I know at Washington State actually one of the best stories is you know back in Australia we had the U20 girls training with you know some of the Australian girls and everything and I remember I remember us playing a game once and it was, I think Heather Garriock started getting really annoyed because the calls weren't right. So, you know, she's, she's got a bit, you know, up in it with Stadge about it and we're all playing hard and, and she's just starting to really get annoyed that the calls are wrong, you know, and then she just blew up and I'm like, wow, like we're playing hard, but she's, she's obsessed with the thought of winning. And I, I remember that moment I was younger. I was only 17 at the time. I was like, that is, you know, a player that wants to be the best all the time. And I think, you know, taking that to Washington State, I was sort of the player who, you know, maybe looked as a bit of a, a rough one in, in practice because I always wanted to win. Whatever we did, you know, I just wanted to be the player. I remember doing sprints one day and I was just coming back from an injury and I was trying to outrun everyone. I think I nearly blew, blew my hammy out again. <laughs> but... uh you know, it was just, just that sort of thing that, that we pushed each other and, yeah, we got heated and there's times I definitely, you know, went off or tried to dig at players a little bit, you know. You know, it was funny. I was watching um, the, the Last Dance and I was like, 
oh, sometimes I was a little bit like Michael Jordan because I would sort of nag at players and they'd get really upset if, you know, it just, you know, be like, it's not good enough. <laughs> and like, let's do this, da, da, da. And so um, it's pretty funny watching it from that aspect. And then definitely in coaching, you know, you try and bring that out as a coach. You want to be competitive. You don't want them to go overboard and start hurting each other in practice. And I think, you know, even at Oregon we've had, we usually play pretty hard on our Fridays. Um, this past winter we had, you know, just in our in our sessions and we'd play for an hour on Fridays and they would get after it. And they, you know, I think there's definitely a drive within the team here in Oregon that even as coaches we don't have to push that hard because naturally we have some players that are very keen on winning and being the best. So. Um, you try and promote that as a coach, but you hope that, you know, there are athletes within your team that instill that within themselves and others as well. No, I mean, that's huge. I played for a coach. We're actually, it's at an 11 aside game, 11 aside game. We're on the bench because some of our starters, we're getting a break. So we're hanging out. We have our runners on. Okay. Yeah. So we're sitting on the bench next to the coach and um, a fight breaks out. One of the guys went in on a tackle. The other one got up, started swinging at his face. And he started swinging. And us as players on the bench, we we're going to get up to stop them. The coach says, sit down. Don't get up. Let them sort it out. Let them sort it out. And to me, that hit me. I'm like, whoa. He's like, and then from there, kind of as I got older within the environment, he's, um, I realized that there is some fire you want the players to sort out and not maybe stop because and that's the part I wanted to kind of get into with you as a coach because I think it's even more intricate as a coach what are the moments maybe at Oregon or even Hawaii if you had more experience there is hey we can't step in on that this is good because if we step in we might we might ruin something that's an aha moment okay it, but maybe this one we got to step in okay so based on where you've been around the several coaches that you've been around and you've identified as an assistant, what do you feel you identified, identify as, look, this is competitive, but I'm going to let it go. This is over the top. I got to step in because I might lose the group in it. Yeah. What's the line that you kind of, as a coach now, you're like, this is a line that I want to play with. This is a line I don't want to pass. I think, you know, I probably saw it at Hawaii a little bit more. Um, and really, I think, you know, if there's something that's without physical violence, <laughs> you're sort of like, okay, can you guys figure this out on your own? You know, the first time it happens, you're like, there's some fire in there. Um, sort of make sure that it's nothing too deep within the team or going to cause issues. Um, and you see how it plays out. Now, if it's a recurring issue, that's when, as a coach, I think it's definitely your time to step in and be like, this is not just uh, off behavior because you guys got heated and competitive. It's now a behavior of we, we might need to change that. So I think, you know, in my limited coaching experience, I haven't had to deal with this a lot. And I think I'm still growing and learning in, in this part of when you can step back and let them figure it out or when you have to get involved. And I think, you know, as a young coach, you always want to be involved and be like oh let's not you know let's break this up and and let's all play nice whereas you know I think um there's times you do have to let it play out so haven't had too much experience in that and I think go back again to Michelle Naomini she sort of you know would let it play out and, and unless it was something that was recurring it would be like 
hey, they're a team. They got to they got to figure this out because if it happens on the field, what do we do then? No, no, I, I, I and that's why I, I kind of it hit me as well because it was a heated debate we had in a course or I believe back in the day with one of a colleague that you you got to coach that within the game. I'm like, then what was your preparation about? What did you guys do in the training grounds? Like, if you're going to coach the whole game on a sideline during a game, what did you put into preparation? Because these are not seven-year-olds. Even at the seven-year-olds, you got to let them play. I mean, yeah. I just look at myself. If I'm a player, there's a point that I'm zoning it out. If, they're talk- if my coaches are talking to me at a certain level, I'm zoning it out because I'm, I'm so focused in reading the game and finding that ball and trying to figure things out in the moment. And um, the sport of football is so unique. It's all about moments. And if you say something to throw a player off, they might have missed the off-the-ball movement that could throw them off. So I agree so much with that, that you've got to let them figure it out because if – you're, you're allowing the players to figure it out, then you're, you're actually developing problem, sol- problem solvers within the game. Um, so fantastic on that. What I want to kind of transition to, so we're in a unique time, this, this whole pandemic. In my lifetime, I have never, ever experienced anything like this. I've experienced some traumatic things, but nothing like this. This is, um, if I mean... If you want to make it into a thing, it's a big timeout within the sport of soccer or football. And we are in a big timeout. Um, I think there's a lot of positives that uh, we can do in these moments. Um, and I think families, um, maybe not so much veteran coaches, but aspiring coaches, aspiring players, um, they're trying to search for inspiration. I think they're trying to search for um, laying the foundation right now. They can't go and train with their teams. They can't compete like they've done. I think this is the best time of programming, um, how to program their future ahead to get to where they want to get. If it's as a player, if it's as a coach, a family, how do they support their child? How do they support each other as a family, maybe non-soccer related, to stay inspired and um, optimistic and see that light because it, it is unknown. So I want to kind of dissect that message you have for aspiring coaches, aspiring players, and families during this time. What is it, um, you know, in your perspective to look forward to? What is it to maximize? What is it that they should be doing at this current time and kind of aspire as it comes to a conclusion in the future as well? Yeah, I think, you know, you hit it with it's a timeout for soccer right now, but it's also a timeout in in a lot of people's lives. A lot of people aren't working. It's not a regular day-to-day right now. Um, This is something, you know, I never thought I would see in my lifetime and and I've never seen anything like it as well, just like you said. Um, So it is a difficult time, you know. Anyone that says, oh, it's all great, we get to be at home, it's hard for kids. Kids want to get out, they want to play, they want to be with their friends, you know. Young players want to do more than just work on their own. But I think, you know, and I'll start with the players, is you got to step back and and be like, hey, if I want to get something out of this, let's make some goals and let's see what I can achieve. Make daily goals and then make weekly goals to make monthly goals, you know, Um, just to sort of help yourself progress and and stay motivated because motivation is going to be one of the hardest things. You're going to get overgoing to a wall and playing with a wall a little bit or just struggling or doing foot skills or, you know, just shooting and getting the ball and shooting and getting the ball, you know. 
Um, so, you know, making little goals for yourself to, to just tick away at is, is going to be huge, you know. And I think coaches as well, you know, the beauty in this has been I've been able to watch more football in the last three months than I have in a long time. You know, I've watched a lot of NWSL. I watched back a lot of games from the Women's World Cup. And, you know, for me, that is helping me grow and understand the game a little bit better each time I watch. And I'm sort of trying to pick apart what's happening. What, I, what is each doing, team doing and how are they doing it? So as a young coach, I'm just trying to take the time to, um, you know, learn and develop myself in, in that sort of a sense. You know, Graham's pushing us along as well, making sure we're helping the team and everything. And, and, you know, working with them in certain areas that we wouldn't have, you know, sat down and break down games like we have or, you know, break down just little clips to the depth that we have. And and I think, you know, that's been huge. So as a coach, it's just, yeah, even yourself, making sure you stay on and um, in every which way and learning because, you know, as a young coach coming in, I thought, yeah, I was a pretty good player. Like, I got this. This will be easy. And very quickly you learn that you only know the surface stuff and um, you've got a lot, a lot to learn in every aspect from knowledge of the game to, to how to communicate with your players so that they understand it. So, you know, it's just been a great time for that. And then the last bit with just families is this is a time that we're never hopefully ever going to see again. And the amount of time even talking with our players is I've just had so much time with my family that we'll never have like this again. You know, as a young family, you know, where everyone's sort of, all the siblings are leaving the house soon and going to college. They're like, this is time that we all get to spend together and we, we never would have had that before. So, you know, enjoy those moments and, and really look at the bright side of being home and being able to enjoy the people around you. You know, me and my wife, it's been great time just to sit down with each other every night and have dinner and we're like, oh, this is, you know, we thought we'd be at each other's throats, but it's been actually quite good. <laughs> so, you know, hopefully we won't be in it too much longer or else we might get there, but no. No, I think um, especially in your field, um, this family time, you're at the Division One even more than the other divisions. It's the traveling you guys do. It's insane. So, um, you know, that's the difficult part, and I think – you hit it this time of if you turn the negative into a positive, it's a huge time to embrace the family time. I don't think we'll ever get family time like this. I, I don't think you ever get um, solidarity like this, like isolation where you get to kind of um, self reflect as a coach, as a player. Um, there's so much resources to look up and study and improve and set a plan to, um, you know, set up when you do get out and about, everybody's saying like, coaches are going to come back better. Players are going to come back better, more motivated, more hungry. Um, even some, some players were saying in, in the field of basketball or any sport, I wish I watched the last dance when I was younger or something like that, because a lot of these access to, um, you know, YouTube and stuff, it's huge during this time. I mean, if this stuff happened in the 90s and stuff, I think it would have been more difficult. Uh, but I think the timing of it, it does um, help. So um, I totally agree with you. Uh, I think there's that balance. So, uh, you know, they got to come back with that um, aspiration and hunger too. Um, last thing before we close it out, um, favorite player of all time, 
favorite team of all time, male or female. So whoever in every aspect that you like and you kind of uh, admire. And then obviously favorite team that you've enjoyed and, you know. Okay. All right. Um, I think I'll go my favorite player. I'm going to have to go with the person I started following when I was the youngest. I actually got obsessed with Leeds United when Harry Kuehl and Mark Baduka were playing for them at the same time back in the early thousands. And then, you know, someone that I always watched in those games was Rio Ferdinand, you know, a centre-back. And I was a centre-back. I'm like, wow, he's really good. You know, the way he reads a game, his free tackles, he sort of just commanded the whole back line. And I was like, that is a great player. So I started following him when I was really young. And then, you know, he came out to be the player he was, a fantastic player, probably one of the greatest for England. Um, but he really caught my imagination as a young kid, just watching him play, you know. So I got a little bit obsessed with him. And I still think, you know, I, I think back and I think he probably is a player that I watched had the most influence on my game, you know, as a player myself. So I have to go with him. And then, you know, I love, I love watching the Matildas, got to say that. You know, it's always a blast. Not so much this World Cup, but... Um, they are just a fun team to watch, you know, a good group of, group of girls. Some of them I played with as well, but I love watching them. But if I have to pick my favourite team of all time, I'd actually have to go with the 2006 Socceroos. Um, yeah, a little different, but again, in a time where I think they caught my imagination as, you know, a 16, 17-year-old and um, watching them play in the World Cup and they only lost in the round of 16 to Italy on a dodgy penalty call, I'll call it. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, um, some just some of the best players. Hitting was the coach too? Was Goose hitting the coach? Yeah. He was a coach and he did, you know, fantastic with that team. But some of the most talented players that I think Australia's ever produced, you know, putting Cahill, Viduka, Kuehl. I think they had uh, Lucas Neal, Schwarzer. You know, just I could rattle on everyone. No, no, no. And it's funny how you said early 2000. When you named Viduka, um, so... My ethnicity is Persian, so I'm from Iran. Yep. So there was a 98 where we're playing playoffs with Australia. Uh, you probably remember, like, I think Australia was supposed to go through. Uh, they came when, suppose there was a big scene in Australia that the net, something happened to the net. And that was the game changer that Iran was able to, because Australia was all over us. They were all over us. Viduka was killing it, everything. And then there was something with the net. They stopped the game. They delayed it, and it changed momentum. And based on that, everybody, like, I know the Australians, because they, they had a good squad in the 98 to go to the yeah. 98 World yeah. as well. So it's funny how things like that do uh, play. And I know you're from Australia and from other parts of the country. The way they view those moments and don't let it go, um, I'm, I'm still hoping. It grows here maybe like like I said, I want it, – it is on a good growth. It's a young sports belt uh, still in the nation. I think yeah. the next World Cup, uh, especially on the men's side in 2026, should be a uh, hopefully a right jump. I know the female game, it's growing, I think, uh, financially. Hopefully uh, it gets the support as well. Um, I think that's the big push too. Um, that's obviously behind the doors, a lot of political reasons as well. Um, and I know you have your perspective on it. Everybody has their perspective, but I think it's well-deserved that they get um, a certain extent because, um, you know, 
three World Cups and the amount of years they've, they've done it too, I, I think, because it's, it's a living. I think in the end of the day, you want to you wanna be supported with the, with the structure. But, um, you know, it, it is it, money. Money plays a big thing, especially in those corporations. I think um, everybody first thinks about, I know in Iran, uh, it's about putting in their pockets first before taking care of the players. And yeah. I think sometimes we got to realize that there is no games without the players. Um, yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, that's always a struggle, especially in women's football, to, to get the funding and to be able to support leagues and, you know, even I think the W League back home in Australia is sort of like, will, will it be sustainable? And, you know, I'm like, I think that's been the best thing for Australian women's football is the W League and, and bringing world-class players to come play against our top players. And, and the growth that you've seen within our national team is part and parcel to that league. Um, so you always hope that, that there's a way to make it financially viable to sustain, you know, the leagues and the players themselves. How do you, how do you, I know this is an additional question to kind of close out. How do you compare on the women's side in the U.S., the whole development infrastructure of what you're seeing within the game? Uh, I know the NCAA on the men's doesn't really produce it. You go into the NCAA cycle, you're kind of falling behind compared to the world in the game. But how do you think the makeup of it is for the women's side on the development compared to Australia, compared to Europe, compared to France? I think France has come a long way. I think Spain on the women's side has come a long way in development. Uh, um, where, do you, where do you see, is it heading in the right direction? Is it what we need? Is it certain changes we still need to make? I mean, that's a very broad question because in America, it's, it's you know, the one thing I'd like to see changed is, is that pay to pay play structure. You know, even in Australia, it's, Australia is moving more towards that and, you know, we're, we're taking out kids who can enjoy, love the game and also possibly be the better athletes that we, we don't see because they just can't afford it as, as, you know, as families. So I think, you know, that would be one thing that, that I'd like to see change. But, you know, America, this, the grassroots system is sort of chopping and changing every now and then. What is the elite, you know, um, teams to go watch? You know, what are the elite clubs and now the DA is sort of gone out, you know, it's, it's a time that I hope America sits back and finds a way um, with such a broad, you know, with such a broad amount of, of players, you know, sparsely all over the States. It, it is difficult. I think the challenge is really difficult. And I think, you know, um, sort of being a little bit a part of the U.S. scouting, um, seeing how they sort of, do it in regions and and I think that part is good but I think you know the states is a little bit lost on on how to you know make the pathway really clear to get up instead of just being like play for this club go to NCAA school and then go from there I think you know we'll see some players even more so start to branch out and go to Europe and that before they go to you know college in the US but I think NCAA does a good job in, in getting kids you know their degree and then producing really players that are physically at a different level to a lot of European or, you know, Asian nations. And I think that's why America's been really successful, not because they produce maybe the most talented or I'll say the most technical or skilled players, but because they do have that physicality above the rest of the world still right now. 
No, I agree. I thought, I thought France had us. Um, I thought they had us on a technical and the brand they played. Um, yeah. I think we got through it, especially this past World Cup, based on athleticism. I thought we were just so much superior athletically than a lot of these countries. But I thought France was exceptional technically. Yeah. It was exceptional. It was, it was I, I mean, the way they were moving the ball, the way they had ideas. Um, I think, I, and I, maybe it has to do with their league, the league setup. And that could be, I mean, they've got, a, they've got a great league over there where the best players in the world play within that league. And I think, you know, that's something that is a little scary when you look at the NWSL compared to, to leagues like that that are coming up where the players possibly are a little more financially supported through, the, through those big clubs. And um, they're going to produce, you know, national teams. And, and a, a great example is Italy in the World Cup. You know, they had a lot of players from, from their, their league and also one team within that league. And I think, you know, that continuity for them, you know, took their game to the next level on the world stage. And it was really fun to watch Italy play, even though, you know, what happened with Australia in that game. But it was another example of, of how, how your national league can really affect your, your national team. And I think that's something America's got to look back at and make sure that they sustain a high level and, and high quality league. No, fantastic. Um, Rachel, again, thank you so much for putting in this time. I want to kind of um, uh, put the platform on you to close us out with anything you have going on, you want to share any, any plugs you want to kind of put out for the audience and then we'll kind of uh, close the, the interview. No plugs from me, you know. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it, Sean. I appreciate what you're doing. And I think, you know, it's, it's some great messaging you're getting across to, to everyone, you know, within the world at this time when it is a little bit tougher. So, you know, I hope everyone stays positive. I hope everyone keeps continuing on and, and doing what you do. And, and yeah, I appreciate you and, and what you're doing for everyone, Sean. Thank you so much. 